Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Muffy Morocco. Muffy, how are you? I'm just doing dandy. How are you, AJ? I am. I'm doing just fine. Just doing just fine. It is a lovely afternoon, possibly the first lovely afternoon we've had here in the uh, greater South Jersey area. Uh, <laughs> been many, many days of rain. We, we released the doves and uh, they were eaten by baby sharks or something like that. I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is raining here in Los Angeles. So we have swapped weather. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, I thought it never rains in Southern California. You know, but man, don't they warn you that when it does, you get really irritated. <laughs> this is very true. Very true. So, uh, Buffy, uh, thank you for joining our hot seat here today. It was very brave of you. Uh, <laughs> why don't you give everyone a little bit of a brief bio, who you are, what you do, why you do the things you do, the way you do the things you do. <laughs> Well, my name is Muffy Morocco. Muffy is a nickname that I earned by eating a bunch of blueberry muffins when I was a small child. So my parents are not cruel uh, initially on the birth certificate. It's just all the years <laughs> thereafter. And uh, originally hail from the Philadelphia area, live in Los Angeles, where I'm a tutor and a writer. And I've uh, appeared on some game shows. And uh I love I loves the trivia. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we we loves those who loves the trivia. And if you can't love yourself, can I get a name? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, I make too many RuPaul references on this show. Anyway, it's a niche program. Not everyone's watching. But anyway, Muffy, let me explain to you what's going on here. Uh, there are going to be four rounds of four questions apiece. In each round, as you know, I will let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before I read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right. You get the points. It is just that simple. And there's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. At the end of the game, you'll field what we call the confidence question, which will be your last chance to try to improve your final score. I will explain all that nonsense when we get there. We cannot get there until we uh, turn the key in the ignition and get this road trip us started are you ready to go muffy vroom, vroom. <laughs> i'm ready excellent uh round one point values as always as usual will be one three five and seven here are the categories we're going to be using today we're going to kick things off with movies followed up with sports move along to analogies and we are going to wrap up round one with television now muffy as you know Perhaps those of you out there who've been listening know. Maybe if this is your first time listening, you do not know. And if you are listening for the first time, where the heck have you been? This is our alphabet season, which means every single answer in this game, unless I say otherwise, will begin with the same letter. And today's episode, Muffy, today's P-Day. <laughs> every day's P-Day. Yeah. Grab your Russian hookers. It's P-Day, everybody. <laughs> So either the first letter of the first name, first letter of the last name, if it's a title, at least one of the words in the answer, again, unless I say otherwise, will have that P in it. There may be a few surprises along the way, Muffy, but I'll let you know in advance when those are going to happen. With all of that in mind, movies are up first, one, three, five, or seven. Well, of these categories, movies is probably my strongest, so I'm terrified to do this as the first question, but I'm going to start with seven. All right, seven for movies. I, I, I... I feel the trepidation in your voice. <laughs> I see the trepidation on your face. <laughs> Nothing to be scared about. <laughs> Nothing at all. Still says you. Yeah, this is true. Good luck. 
I'm pulling for you, Muffy. Seven points. <laughs> uh, movies. And here we go. The original ending of this film had Phil Dale finding love, but it was rewritten when test audiences booed. What movie was this? The original ending of the film had Phil Dale finding love and was rewritten. It was booed. Well, it would help if I knew who this character was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Phil, the, oh, unfortunately, the only Phil that's coming to mind is Phil from Groundhog Day. Phil? Phil Connors? Um, that's not his name, and he does find love. So I'm... Pa, pa, pa. So I, 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 let me focus on the P. That's what all the presidents say. Uh, oh, man. Phil Dale. Oh, this is terrible. Uh, to start off with just completely not thinking of anything, the only pre-movie I can think of right now is Platoon, which was really not much of a love story anyway. Uh, pa, P. No, and not... I'm just going to say Platoon. <laughs> platoon. It is a movie that starts with the letter P. So well done on that regard. Uh, I, I, I fear perhaps you've stepped off the curb and gotten your foot wet in the puddle, however. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ned Ryerson, the humanity. So would it have helped if I had told you that Phil Dale had found love with a character named Andy Walsh? Oh, wait, this is pretty in pink. Yes, Phil Dale is the actual real name of Ducky. Ah! As portrayed by John Cryer, who went to my high school. Uh, yeah, pretty in pink is the answer, isn't she? Pretty in pink. She is. You know, I mean, Phil Dale, I didn't know that was his I mean, Blaine, that's not a name, that's an appliance. Exactly. I mean, <sighs> they you can know, refilm that ending. I remember that now. You know, I love her, and I have to tell her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, the, the, the original uh, ending had uh, Ducky and, and Andy uh, dancing at the prom, and audiences yeah. just uh, were saying, uh, no! No, and they reshot it, and Andrew McCarthy's hair is all wrong. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Had gone on to other things, they needed to find a wig pronto. Yeah. Uh, pronto in pink? No, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Cannot give you the points, unfortunately. Uh, you know, the second chance points in this show. I, I, I tell you, the scores, if I gave... If... I feel like there's going to be a lot of smacking my forehead as we, <laughs> as we go on this journey together, AJ. Uh, indeed. On. But you know what? Water under the bridge. Yeah, uh, if you leave those points behind, I won't waste one single day. Then moving on to sports. Sports <laughs> is up next. One, three, or five. One. <laughs> with authority <laughs> one point for so watch her get this one right folks uh, right. Right. for one point here is your sports question what nfl team was the very first franchise from new england to win an nfl championship well i feel like this is a trick question now because the only new england team that i can think of and one of the only ones i can think of that also starts with p would be the patriots so I'm, it's one point it's not going to make or break me. It's not the rest of my life. I'm just going to say Patriots. Indeed. I, I had a feeling that you might. I have a feeling that a lot of people were. Yeah. Saying, AJ, you are so freaking devious. Are you just going to give us a very obvious answer here? Yeah. No, no, I am not. I, I, I may be devious. Even in round one, I might be a little lenient with the, with the questions. But no, no this was uh, an NFL team that no longer exists. In fact, they are the last team to have won an NFL championship that no longer exists. Uh, every other every other team that has won since 1929 uh, is still around to tell the tale. But in 1928, there was a football team that uh, played their home games in a velodrome. 
Yes, that that means bicycle stadium, folks. They had bicycle races. Queen was there, Adam Lambert and Freddie Mercury <laughs> singing side by side. Uh, this was a team that was so dominant in the uh, 20s that a uh, sports writer said they frequently will steamroll over their opponents, and that became their team name. They were the Providence Steamroller. Oh, well, bless. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of them, but I'm I'm sure they they rolled some steam. Yeah, you know, a lot of the teams in the early days of the NFL were in the Northeast, uh, specifically uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and, and and upstate New York. There was a team called the Tonawanda Cardex. They played once, they lost, and immediately disbanded. There's a lot of fun history from <laughs> from that time. <laughs> and I just like saying Tonawanda Cardex. <laughs> I'm sure they did, too. That's why they called themselves that. Sounds like a tampon company. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Analogies is up next. Three points, five points. Muffy, what say ye? Oh, I think I'm going to try the five on the analogies. Good luck to you. And here is our question. Petunia is to Harry Potter as May is to who? Okay, so this one I think I'm going to get because Petunia is the... Uh, Petunia Dursley is the aunt of Harry Potter. She was the sister of his mother. And an Aunt May that I can think of... She's an aunt to a boy who has some peas in his name, Peter Parker, the Spider-Man, the Speederman. So I'm going to say uh, Aunt May for Peter Parker for Spider-Man. Peter Parker is your answer. So Harry Potter, a I mean, he's not quite a superhero, but he, he does have uh, he special power. powers. He has special powers, yes. Uh, one of them is to be able to survive living under the stairs at his uh, aunt's house, mm -hmm. uh, Aunt Petunia. So he was a child who was raised by his aunt. Uh, another child raised by his aunt, Aunt May, would be the Spider-Man, Peter Parker himself. Well done. Five points. You are on the board. He does whatever a spider can. And you know what? There were the spiders under the stairs with Harry Potter. I see the connection. It's it's quite, yeah, this is the analogies. It's not the aragogies, but uh, nevertheless... <laughs> For the three Potter fans out there, no, because no one's read those books. No one at all. No one. It's it's really it's it's really niche. Indeed. Well, Potter, more your points. Five more than you started this question with. Well done. One question left in the round, and we are starting to get things cooking with gas, as they say. Does anyone actually say that? I don't know. Uh, television. Three points. Are you ready, Muffy? Yes. I. Yes, I'm ready. Bring on the TV. Uh, here is your three-point television question. Eric McCormick plays a professor of neuroscience who helps the FBI solve cases despite him suffering from frequent schizophrenic hallucinations on what TNT show from earlier this decade? Ooh, going to start with a P. So Eric McCormick is the, the Will from The Will and Grace. What would start with a P? Well, it's not Psych. That was the USA show with the young gentleman who solved the crimes. P, but now I'm thinking, uh, you, because this could be like a silent P, like in psychology or a psycho, or uh, it could also be Professor Pretty Pants. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, let me think. I don't really know this one, so I'm just going to have to make something up, make a viable guess. And neuroscience, he's schizophrenic. This is a really high-concept program, isn't it? Yes, um, yes, yes, it is. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to pitch it to you this way. Here's the show. All right, he's a neuroprofessor. He's schizophrenic. He solves the crimes. It's called... Piece of the puzzle. <laughs> Piece of the puzzle. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, uh. 
Not correct, but I no. like it. I would actually probably watch a show called Piece of the Puzzle regardless of what it was about. Uh, so yeah, you are you are correct in dismissing Psych. That was James Rodea and Dulé Hill, and that was on USA where characters are welcome. This was very high concept. He was an unreliable narrator, uh, even to himself, because he didn't know what he was seeing. His psychiatrist was also... He was in love with us, his psychiatrist because he she looked identical to his this girl he met once at a party and was in love with from college and then it turns out that she was also hallucination it, it, it's ridiculous it's a riddle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in bacon i think my favorite part of the show is that he had a, he had a teaching assistant who uh who lived with him as well uh to handle all the crazy whose name was lowicki and pretty much the dialogue of any scene was pretty much just when they couldn't think of anything else to to finish the scene he would just go lowicki <laughs> And that's how the scene would end. Rachel Lee Cook was an FBI agent. Her husband, Scott Wolf, had cheated on her, and uh, they were trying to get back together, but there was a will they or won't they with him and her. It was, it was weird. It was high concept. But the name of the show, if anyone saw it, was called Perception. Ooh. That is a P word. It is, and there's a, there's a P in the middle there. It makes it, It's just like a, almost a, a double P, but not quite, but it's hiding in there. It's, nice. it's an illusion. It's a hallucination. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to buy into a show when, like, at the end of uh, every season, there'd be like, this big ep- episode where lots of things happened, and then you know there'd be a knock at the door and said, "What do you mean you haven't left the house in three days?" You're like, it's, it... I hate that it was all a dream ending. Because it wasn't a dream. No, it was a psychotic episode brought on by his schizophrenia. So, <laughs> well, you know, that's what everybody wants to watch when they come home from work. Well, five points in the but round. It, it, yeah, that's points. It's points. It's better than a zero. Absolutely. Uh, kudos, kudos to you. Let us move on to round two because uh, the point value is here. Obviously, they're going to increase to two, four, six, and eight. And the categories, well, they're going to be a little bit different. These are what those categories are going to be, Muffy. We're going to kick things off with a literature, followed up with fungo, and move along to say it with me, folks. Everyone's new favorite category only in, in Florida. Florida. We're going to wrap up the first half with Around the World. First things first in this round, however, is literature two, four, six, or eight. Let me think about this one. Well, I'm going to give literature six in the hopes that I am literate. (laughs) Uh, Very good. Very good. Six points for literature. Uh, Hopefully uh, your knowledge is as well read as this clue is certainly going to be. Here is your six point literature question. The first chapter of this novel begins with the minutes of a May meeting presided over by Joseph Smiggers Esquire, the perpetual vice president of what titular organization? Who? Could you give me his name again? Joseph? Smiggers. It's not... The first thing that came to mind that has no P's in it whatsoever is thinking of the crying of Lot 49, which is Thomas Pynchon. Joseph Smiggers. It's a silly name. It's not... Who would have... Uh, let me think. Maybe a Kurt Vonnegut novel. It's got a bit of a goofiness to it. Hold on. I'm thinking of vowels. Peas with vowels. <laughs> That's how words are made. Wow, this is, I'm not, I have not read this book. Have I read any? We may never know. Uh, gosh, i got to think of a, even a viable guess here, because otherwise that's just embarrassing. So it's Joseph Smiggers, the VP of, uh, oh, the pie company. That'll be my answer, pie company. The pie company. I'm gonna. This is gonna be. I'm gonna. About, I'm writing my hand to smack my forehead with just <laughs> dismay and regret. No, I don't. I don't necessarily. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have heard of this. Uh, I am not so sure that you have read this. Has anyone read this? I don't know. This is a book 
that was written by an author under a pseudonym. It starts with P. Pseudonym. Ooh. English is fun. Uh, the pseudonym is Boz, which of course is a pseudonym for Mr. Charles Dickens. This was his first work. It was called The Posthumous Papers of the Pickwick Club. And most people just call it The Pickwick Papers. But the full name of the novel is The Posthumous Papers of the Pickwick Club. So if you said Pickwick in any way, shape, or form, give yeah. yourself the points. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I have, you know, read some Dickens, but I haven't often gotten the Dickens. No, most people, you know, there's, there's the best of times, most of the worst of times. Uh, let me change the channel. Yeah. I've only read Bleak House. <laughs> Bleak House is great. It has spontaneous human combustion in it. You got kids love it. You know, uh, he, he liked burning things to the ground. I think uh, I think Mrs. Havisham would, would, would co-sign. <laughs> well, so much for the literature. Eh, you know what? Reading is overrated, right? <laughs> That's why we're all podcasts these days. We're going to move along to Fungo 2, 4, or 8. I will go with 4 for the Fungo in the hopes that, it, you know, it's not as bad as other ones. <laughs> in, well, yeah. Uh, no promises. Oh, you have a gleam in your eye. <laughs> uh, promises, promises. <laughs> Another <laughs> keyword. Uh, I, I, I try and stay on theme as best as I can. <laughs> Fungo, three clues, all pointing to the same single answer. Good luck. Here is your four-point Fungo. Clue number one. Tengwar inscribed artifact as referred to by its longtime owner. Clue number two. Movie that was based on the writings of Ramona Lofton. Clue number three. Valet of wrestler gorgeous jimmy garvin fungo's not so fun aj <laughs> you're saying you wanted to go <laughs> <laughs> movie based on the writings of ramona lofton was the middle one la of gorgeous jimmy garvin i should work with the artifact here what would be an artifact a what would be a it would help if i knew what tenwar was I think that would really that would really put things in my wheelhouse. That would uh, that would uh, definitely, or or if you were familiar with Ramona Lofton, perhaps, or, yeah, or just Jimmy Garvin, if I yeah. Just, <laughs> if I just were gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, that would really lock it down. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, none of these are ringing a bell, which is unfortunate because you should have the fungo at least one. You know, one I can grasp to like a little, you know, like a little life vest. I'm trying to work with the P. This is none of this is ringing my bell, which is a shame. Uh, so I'm just going to have to go for a P word. Otherwise, that would just be embarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, an animal that I love and enjoy. When you say panda. Oh, I met a panda once. How was, how was the panda? He was just chewing bamboo. He, I, was, I was giddy with excitement. You said it didn't ring a bell because uh -oh. that artifact is indeed a ring itself. Tengwar being a, a language created by J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. Uh, and the one true ring is inscribed in Tengwar. Its longtime owner, Gollum slash Schmeagol, would, of course, call it precious. Precious. Yeah, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. He had a valet uh, named Sunshine. And then Sunshine was not his wife in real life. And his real life wife said, oh, hell no. You're gonna, if anyone's going to be your valet, it's going to be me. And so she became Sunshine 2. And then there was a big storyline, uh, and eventually she changed her name to Precious. And Ramona Lofton is uh, the real name of an author who writes under the name Sapphire. Sapphire. See, you couldn't have said Sapphire, could you? Right. Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Precious is the answer. <laughs> if I had really? said Sapphire, that would have pushed you right into the answer. So I know. I that would have been really princely of you. <laughs> well, at least I can say Panda. 
I, 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 the silver lining here. Well, you know, there's no way you're going to get the next one wrong because we're, we're betting a thousand. Everyone gets this one right. <laughs> <laughs> Our wild card question only in Florida: uh, two or eight? Uh, two. <laughs> what a shocker! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck. Here is your two point only in Florida question. As always, brace yourself. <laughs> Yipe! A Tallahassee man smashed a glass over his mom's head and then stabbed his father after accusing them of trying to poison him with what? I think I know this one, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was reading up on some Florida men prior to this, <laughs> taping this. I believe the P is a pork chop. You believe the P is a pork chop. Well, there's not much more need be said, is there? Uh, yeah, he... Uh, this he man, was a bit paranoid about the pork chop. Yeah, he, perhaps he needed some pills. Um, he, he took one bite out of the pork chop and said, wow, this is way too much acid. Are you trying to poison me? And his parents went, what are you... What are you talking about? And then he smashed a glass over his mother's head and stabbed his father. Oh, good times. <laughs> Workshop is correct. <laughs> I can't believe I had the Florida question. <laughs> I really can't either, but hey. Oh, there's like the Florida man. I was like, I'm just going to go through and just think about, you know, and it's just, it's an amusing read, you know. It, it, it's always quite stunning. Um, they're, they're very precious down in Florida, aren't they? <laughs> Hold on to your panhandles. Oh, yeah, only in the panhandle. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Good job, Buffy. Good job. Yeah, There's nothing more than me be said. Uh, congratulations. I believe you just qualified to actually become a congressman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. State senator, something like that. Two points. Well done. Well done. One question left in that. It is a doozy. It is worth eight points to you. Around the world, uh, mm. you, are you are you geographically... Uh, Happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, but you might have to hang a pork chop around my neck to get the dog to play with me, kind of. I don't know. Uh, well, perhaps that is a local tradition. Uh, <laughs> where we're going here, I don't know. The greater Philadelphia area. Yeah, we do it with cheesesteaks. Yeah, Tony's cheesesteaks. No, no, Nick's cheese. Ah. No, no, Gino's cheesesteaks. Not anyway. Gino's. Never Gino's. <laughs> uh, I just never go to Philly if I can help it. <laughs> Sorry, Taryn. Uh, anyway, here is your eight-point around-the-world question. Tommy Remensgazau Jr. It's easy for me to say. Oh. <laughs> Tommy Remensgazau Jr. is the current president of what country which forces all tourists to watch a video on environmental do's and don'ts before being allowed to enter? Well, that's quite a name. It sounds sort of Polish, but I don't think Tommy Jr. is the president of Poland. And let me think. Poland, Paraguay, Palau. Uh, these all start with P. It's really turning into a very special episode of Sesame Street. Um, I'm trying to think. I f I'm going to go with just because it's, you know, Pacific Island. They care about their, you know, their precious ecosystem. I'm just going to say Palau. Okay. Palau is your answer. A lot of P countries out there. Yeah, absolutely. Philippines. But Canada. Uh, but Canada. Sure, sure, sure. I was going to go with Panama, but the Canada works just... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Tommy uh, Romengazau Jr., a son of Tommy Romengazau Sr., who was also one-time president of this country. Uh, but what country would have, like, 
fathers and sons both be presidents. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Ridiculous. I'm that's not a democracy. Yeah, some yeah. banana republic out there where mm-hmm. anyone can become a dictator for life. I get two more years, two extra years. First two years, not so good. I get two more on the back end. Bigly, bigly, bigly good this time. So, you know, there are these, uh, there are these stories in science fiction novels where, uh, in, in like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy of Douglas Adams, there's this, this planet. Make sure you get a receipt every time you go to the bathroom because whatever difference in the food you intake and the waste you deposit uh, will be taken out of you <laughs> with body parts and amputations <laughs> as you, when you leave. It kind of gave me those vibes here. Tommy Rembigazow Jr. is indeed the president of Palau. Pork chops in Palau. Well done, Muffy. Yay. Indeed, yeah, he, he was president, and then he wasn't president, then he ran again. So he, I believe uh, a two-time president, uh, but non-consecutive turns. He's regular. The Grover Cleveland of Palau. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> can't say that about a lot of people. No. Uh, 10 points in that round. Well done. I'm going to add those to the five you had coming into the round, which means we are entering halftime with a very healthy 15 points. Good on you, Muffy. Here's how halftime works. It is our only partial credit question of the game. I'm going to read you the question, and then we're going to give you a little time to think about your potential answers to that question while we take a, just a brief, small, small little break. Just tiny, tiny cheat, if you will. Parsec of a, of, of a break. As I said earlier, however, uh, I will say otherwise. This is an otherwise situation, Muffy. The answers can start with any letter whatsoever for this particular halftime bonus question so you know i said sometimes you can take a break for the bathroom so get all that pee out of you we don't necessarily (laughs) need it Oof. anyway here is your halftime bonus question muffy mind your p's and q's according to the emily post institute there are 10 most basic table manners that we all should be abiding by for two points each i would like for you to name for me any five of these top 10 dinner time directives. Take a few moments to think about your answers to that question. And we'll be back after the break. If you'd like to support Beat My Guest, helping to make more episodes like this possible, please consider becoming a patron, just like Blair, Jake, Brandon, and many others who have joined since the start of the season. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Muffy Morocco. When we last left Muffy, she was sitting on 15 points working on the following halftime bonus question. Mind your P's and Q's, Muffy. According to the Emily Post Institute, there are 10 most basic table manners that we should all be abiding by. For two points each, I'd ask Muffy to name for me any five of these dinner time directives. Whenever you're ready, Muffy, let me know what you've got. And this is, they can start with any letter. It's not all. Any letter. I'm going to say, use your napkin. Uh, I'm going to say, no elbows on the table. Terribly rude. Chew with your mouth closed. I'm trying to think of the things that were enforced by my mother as a child. I would say, don't put your knife in your mouth, right? Only your fork or your spoon. And uh, I get one more. One more? I just mentioned, I don't know. I meant, Let me think. You don't chew, you, you bite, <laughs> you, you slice, you chew the napkin. Uh, when you're finished, lay your two utensils parallel to each other to signal that you have finished. Very good. Uh, very utensil-focused uh, 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 etiquette going on there for Muffy, but let us see how well you did, because you never know when good manners uh, will come back and help you in the course <laughs> of trivia. Right? Sure. Why not? Anyway. Uh, never. <laughs> 
please don't interrupt. Mind your manners. (laughs) (laughs) Here are, in no particular order, the 10 dinnertime directives as espoused by Emily Post. Number 10. Be part of the conversation. Don't be someone who just sits there and ignores people talking or just focuses on their food. Mm. Be a part of the conversation. Okay. Number nine. Don't reach over the table. If you need something, ask for it to be passed oh, to passing. you. Oh, passing. Passing is, that is good. That's a good yes. one. Number eight. Do not slouch and keep your elbows off of the table. Well done. That is two points for you. However, uh, there is a caveat that when you are waiting for your food to be served or after you have done eating, you are allowed to put your elbows on the table as part Ooh. of the conversation. It is only oh. during the eating process. I don't actually follow them, I, but I did read them. <laughs> You actually eat with your elbows. You hold the. <laughs> it's very true. I, oh, they're my elbows are chopstick ninjas. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> number seven: cut your food one piece at a time. Don't just cut it into little pieces like a child would and start eating. Cut the piece. Eat the piece. Mm-hmm. And number six: drink only after you're done chewing. Uh, okay. So chew it down to as small as it's going to be, and then take a sip to wash it down. Wash it. Yeah, Wa- wash right. down this this tasty burger. Yes, yes. You got don't, it. Don't, okay. don't be don't be put the water or or wine or whatever yeah. your beverage is, and then <laughs> yeah. Slurping. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number five, and another two points for you. Use a napkin. Yeah, that is both for uh, dabbing your lips, or perhaps if you have eaten something that you did not like, you don't just spit it out. You politely remove it with your napkin. Hopefully, no one will notice. Uh, number four, no toothpicks at the table. No picking your teeth with uh, with any other object. You know what? I'm going to give you an extra two points here because I'm going to say that they didn't say what the thing you shouldn't pick your teeth with is. And, well, I'm going to say that some people might be stupid enough to try and pick their teeth with their knives. <laughs> no knives I believe, in the middle. I believe my grandfather did do that. I'm going to. I'm going. Uh, Woohoo! I'm give you the two points here. Now that I'm oh, uh, upon further review, the play stands is called Muffy. Well done. <laughs> That's what you get free pork chops. I, I just as I was as I was explaining it, I had this image of taking the knife. And, ah, <laughs> yeah. That I uh, yes. Number three. Do not shovel the food into your mouth. Use your fork as a fork. Use your spoon as a spoon, but do not Mm -hmm. shovel it into your mouth. Uh, Number two, this is a modern list. No iPhones at the table. Oh. Put the phones in your pockets. The texts can wait. You're eating dinner. Good luck with that if you have teenagers. (laughs) Good luck luck with that if you're eating with me. (laughs) And the number one most important thing of all, I think uh, everyone's parents, grandparents, cousins, uncles, aunts, you know, complete strangers at restaurants. Don't chew with your mouth open. <laughs> Very good. Two there. So you got four out of a possible five. Yeah. That you eight <laughs> points, Muffy. You had 15 coming into the half. You're leaving with 23 points. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. How very, very polite of you to, to do so well. So you know, my mother made me do an afternoon like charm school thing at Bloomingdale's once when I was like 12. And it was how to set the table and how to sit like a lady, which really never paid off. Finally, it has paid off. I know not to eat with my elbows. There you go. Don't be eating with your elbows. 
uh, long uh, last. Yeah, yeah. Nothing about waitress signaling here. Like I'm done with the. But that is true. If you put your your fork down upside down or the soup spoon upside down, then they know you're done. If it's right side up, I think you might still be using it. So put it upside down. Well, I think that was that was a like a that was next level. That's like number eleven on the list. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to know, but to get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> you know? I will also say, Emily Post has said that it is okay to start eating if you have been served before your table mates if it is hot food. Correct. Correct. If it is cold food, you've got to wait. Yes. Piggy pig. Or you're the person paying. Look, let's face it. If you want, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take that ham sandwich and start chewing, you're either well, <laughs> maybe that means your mom a cast. But uh, you, <laughs> if you're planning on footing the bill, do whatever the heck you want. I'm not gonna yep, yell at you. There you go. Just eat a web. All right, we are ready for round three, Muffy. Woo! Point values are gonna stay the same at two, four, six, and eight. However, the categories, well, they're gonna be a little different as they are every round. I don't know why people are always surprised by this. We're gonna kick things off with who done it. Move along to history. Followed up with mashup, and we are going to round out round three with what comes next. But Muffy, uh oh, surprise! <gasps> I said at halftime that you had to mind your P's and Q's. First half was P's. Guess what, Muffy? Oh, no! We're switching up letters here <gasps> for the second half. We are moving to the letter Q. So forget the P. The P is in the past, and you can't oh, go past the P. All the answers from this point forward, unless I say otherwise, will now start with the letter Q. Shocker. And also likely be followed by the letter U, but I'm not going to. I never say never. Or... I make no guarantees one way or the other. But it's probably oh my goodness, bad. Q's. <laughs> okay okay all right this, this changes things. you know you can only have so many questions with cough as the answer <laughs> q-o-p-h <laughs> yes uh, me playing scrabble yeah, exactly um, let us try uh so what do i have first who done it who two done four it? six or eight yes why don't we why don't we ease our way back in with two two points i know i i, I threw i threw a curveball at you he 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 this is what happens when there's 26 letters in alphabet but only 23 episodes in a season you have to do this at some point <laughs> at least it was an x uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> all right who done it two points good luck muffy and here we go born in 1952 this former air force captain got a job in pennsylvania as a newscaster the first step towards national prominence who done it I, I think I know this one because I've been asked a trivia question that's the reverse of this, which is what branch of the military this person was in. So I believe it is Robin Quivers, who is the sidekick of Howard Stern. Robin Quivers is the sidekick of Howard Stern. Uh, everyone's favorite superhero. We're talking superheroes are our fart man, of course. Uh, I don't know if he was raised by his aunt. Uh, <laughs> aunt Acid, perhaps. <laughs> Ah, it writes itself. Robin Quivers, Baba Booey, you are correct. Two points for you. Q! Well done, well done. I thought perhaps the military service was going to uh, steer you in a wrong direction there. You didn't fool me this time. This time? (laughs) (laughs) There there will be other times. Yeah, the round is not over yet. But history is next. (laughs) Four, six, or eight. History, I'm, well, you know, how many cues can there be? I'm going to go eight. Eight for history. Good luck. Here we go. What woman was born in the United States? 
but served as consort to a foreign monarch from 1978 through 1999. Okay, so that's relatively recent. And the Q, I think, goes for queen, because she's the consort of a monarch. An empress does not start with Q. I believe the I forget her original birth name, because she changed it, but I believe she married the King of Jordan, and she is Queen Noor. Okay, so that is your answer, Queen Noor. This uh, lady was born in Washington, D.C. She uh, served as the consort, which means basically she was married but didn't have royal privileges uh, per se, but she gets the title of queen for being married to King Hussein of Jordan. Queen Noor is absolutely Woo! correct. Well done, Muffy. Eight points for you. Eight. I like it. Indeed, indeed. Huzzah, huzzah. That is four regulation questions in a row. My goodness. I think I need to fix the uh, thermostat on the hot seat. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> starting to cool oh, no! off a little bit here. Uh, no, well done, Muffy. Uh, good for you. Uh, we have two questions left. Four and six. Up next is the mashup. What do you say about that? You know... If it weren't early in the morning and I'd had like a beer to loosen up the thinking, I think I'd be better at the mashup, but it's like a little early for that. Because you hit my prime trivia playing is one beer in, you know, <laughs> loosens the neurons, gets things going. So I'm just going to go with four for the mashup. Four for the mashup. All right. Good luck to you. Here is your mashup question. As always, two answers smooshed together by a common uh, word or syllable. I need the full answer for the points. Good luck, and here it is. Big Game Hunter of Fiction, played by Connery and Swayze, among others, who traveled down a parade route near the Harmony Barbershop. Big Game Hunter of Fiction, played by Connery and Swayze. I think I've got this, because just because the cue is narrowing my choices. I don't need the beer. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking crazy-like. <laughs> I believe it is. The Big Game Hunter of Fiction is Alan Quartermain. Is the only cue I can think of. And then Harmony Barbershop, where else besides Main Street and Disneyland? So Alan Quarter Main Street. Alan Quarter Main Street. USA. <laughs> USA. Uh, that makes it a lot easier for me to not have to make a judgment call there. Uh, but you had said in Disney, so I knew you knew what you were talking about there. I probably would have backed down and given you the points. But yes, Harmony Barbershop is a parade route. Along Main Street, USA, the Lost City of Gold and other adventures all uh, were fronted by Alan Quartermain. So, indeed, we're looking for Alan Quarter, Main Street, USA. Four points for you. Well done, Muffy. Yay! This is where I wish I could do a Sean Connery Barbershop Quartet, like, I am the last <laughs> dragon. I am the last <laughs> dragon. Money, penny, fetch my slippers. I am the last <laughs> dragon. Yes, 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 they yes, named yes, the dog yes. Indiana. They named the dog Indiana. <laughs> and the submarine is filled with Russians. <laughs> I, the, I will watch The Hunt for Red October anytime. It is on the TV, and I still get excited <laughs> about Crazy Ivans. Uh, indeed. Uh, well, only four points for that, not... not figure eights, as it were, uh, <laughs> with those crazy Ivans. Well done. We could have ourselves a perfect round here. All that stands between you and perfection. Six points on a what comes next question. Are you ready? 
I am quite ready. Quite indeed. Good luck. And here is your what comes next. Top Cat, Yogi, the Flintstones. What comes next? You jinxed me, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, these are all, uh, you know, the animated cartoon things. Top Cat, Yogi, and the Flintstones. Top Cat is, he's the fancy cat. And Yogi is the bear. And Flintstones are the, you know, cavemen. Coexisting peacefully with dinosaurs as portrayed in the Bible. But it's got to start with a Q. Heavens. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so much for these six points. Um, the Quimbies. The Quimbies. Yeah. Uh, that fine spin off from uh, The Simpsons about Mare and his family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, all good things do have to come to an end. You are absolutely correct. I, I think it's fairly obvious that the, those are all cartoon characters. Uh, these were uh, some of the early shows produced by Hanna-Barbera, the, the, the main characters of their cartoons. Uh, going back in time, so Top Cat, sixth on the list. Yogi and Yogi Bear Hour, fifth on the list. The Flintstones, fourth on the list. Third on the list in 1959 was an Emmy-nominated animated show uh, starring Quick Draw McGraw. Oh, he, was a, he was like a little dog, wasn't he? He was like a sheriff horse. Or a sheriff horse. <laughs> and I'm completely wrong. I have no regrets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the two before that, uh, so Quick, Quick Draw McGraw, the third ever Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Uh, number two was Huckleberry Hound. Uh -huh. uh, that's a dog, a blue dog. Yeah. Uh, and Rough and Ready was the first one. So. R-U-F-F and ready. R-E-D-D-Y. Funny. Well, I am slow go Morocco. It's okay. You know what? Because you still got three out of the four questions in that round. I'm going to add it up here. I actually have math to do. Hang on a second. 14 points out of a possible 20. We're going to add those 14 to the 23 you had coming into round three. And 37 you are in your prime here at 37 points as we head into round four which muffy as you know is the highest scoring round of our game point values available to you in this round will be three five seven and nine the categories they will be as followed we're going to kick things off with audio hodgepodge which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle followed up with potpourri move along to science and we are going to wrap up round four with music, but first things first, my question to you, how much for the audio hodgepodge, three, five, seven, or nine? These are the not my wheelhouse categories. Why did you do this to me? Mm, uh, it's just almost as if I knew, or just <laughs> ra randomly happened to get uh, get it right. <laughs> how it be? I'm still in the land of Q. Indeed. Uh, mm, 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 mm. I'm going to go, no, no, oh, let me do it this way, huh? <laughs> I'm thinking ahead. Planning ahead. I'm going to try seven for audio hodgepodge just because there are other things I like less. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Seven points for audio hodgepodge. Uh, here's how it's going to work. I am going to read you a question. When I'm done with the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea is that when the clip is over, you will be able to answer said question. And for this question, Muffy, 
I say otherwise. No cue required for this question alone. I think you'll figure out why in just a second. In what year did the following clip take place? Hence, no cue for an answer because I'm asking for a year. Uh, <laughs> Will Clark the batter. The Giants have not had the lead in these two games. A 3-2 count, a split finger fastball by Mike Moore. Pounced on by Terry Steinbach, the Oakland catcher. But look at the tough throw that he had to complete the play with Brett Butler running between him and Clark. Flash forward to the bottom of the fourth inning. Dave Parker barely by inches just misses a home run. Candy Maldonado with the hesitation allowing Jose Canseco to score and he fails to get Dave Parker at second base. So the Oakland A's take take. There's your clip. Yep. All in right. What year, in what year did it take place? All right. So I heard. I heard some giants. I heard some Oakland A's. I heard uh, some earthquake action. <laughs> I believe the year, if I recall correctly, is 1989. 1989 is your answer. Obviously, the cue in question here is the quake, uh, the Bay Area earthquake. That was about six minutes into the broadcast. They started with uh, the music, the, the little intro. I believe it was, uh, I believe it might have been even been like a James Earl Jones uh, voiceover. It was really dramatic. The World Series is something, you know. <laughs> and oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was very, it was very strong, strong intro, and then uh, Al Michaels started talking, and then turned it over to Tim McCarver to recap Game Two, and uh, in the middle of the recap, uh, suddenly there was a giant earthquake, and uh, they went off the air for a few moments. Suddenly, uh, we were watching a rerun of Roseanne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we all know what happened then. Basically, I was, if you if you could identify that there was San Francisco and Oakland, and that it was in the Bay Area, and that there was an earthquake, what year was the Bay Area earthquake? Is basically all I'm asking. And indeed, it was 1989. Well, done. well remembered. It's not a sports question at all. Not really. Thank God. <laughs> it's a do you vaguely recall the past 25 years? Kind of. I remember because I was in my dorm room watching at the time, so I know exactly where I was <laughs> as a sophomore <laughs> in college. But, you know, uh, your mileage may vary. <laughs> I, I was alive then. I was sentient and all those things. I mean, it's, you know. Indeed. Well done. Well done. Seven points. Uh, we are, we're doing quite well. Quite well, Muffy. Quite I'm well. Uh, but there are still three questions left. So <laughs> <laughs> let's hope we don't get derailed here. Uh, oh, there's a power outage. Oh, I'm sorry, Muffy. We're going to have to <laughs> the thing. Uh, No, Popery is oh, up God. next. Godzilla! Um, <laughs> Potpourri, three, five, oh, or nine. I am probably going to regret this, but I'm going to give Potpourri nine. Nine points for the Potpourri. What I would have given to do a P question for Potpourri, but no! No, it's a Q for Potpourri. Nine points. <laughs> Good luck, Muffy. I know! If even you are scoffing, what hope is there for me? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, round four, I try, I, I tend to get a little tougher around round four, just by, by nature. To get your points, Muffy, mm. I need you to name for me three out of the four foods that start with the letter Q, which Rosie Perez's character Gloria correctly identifies during her Jeopardy appearance in the movie White Men Can't Jump. All right. I've never seen the movie, although I myself did lose on Jeopardy. 
Did you get the category? Uh, Foods that start with the letter Q, Alex. I did not. And more's the pity. Uh, wow, I'm trying to even think of any foods that start with the letter Q. Let me think. So I'm gonna do. Oh, this wasn't a thing back when white men can jump. Can't jump without. But I was gonna say quinoa, Quaker oats, <laughs> and uh, queso. Okay. Okay. Those are those are all foods that start with the letter Q. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Alex and 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 his his uh, appearances in TV and film as being part of Jeopardy and on set and all that, they vary in terms of uh, realism and and quality. I mean, I think we all enjoy Cliff Clavin's appearance on Cheers, and it's. As much as the categories themselves are ridiculous, it, it, it tracks pretty well. Right. This does not track well <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean, for one, uh, Rosie Perez's character has the worst accent uh, ever put on film. And she she answers one question with, uh, well, she's supposed to answer what is Mount Vesuvius. But she says, what is Mount Vesuvius? What is Mount Vesuvius? <laughs> and Alec goes Alex goes uh can we accept that okay okay we're okay close enough okay good yeah because I know every time I watch Jeopardy close enough Vesuvius is is not getting the points for Vesuvius I'm sorry it's not it's happening like, it's like horseshoes a lot the, the, the Jeopardy uh, but one of her her, her uh, the categories that she has trained for is foods that begin with the letter Q that she was mocked by Woody Harrelson that it's never going to be a category and sure enough there it is and uh, she runs the category, although they only show four and five questions. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the, 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 the amusing thing is to watch the uh, really smarmy uh, returning champion next to her being very impressed by her answering. Ooh. Like, oh, my goodness. How oh, well done. It, the questions are <laughs> not that hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, to, to, for you to come up with random Q words out of thin the ether is hard to yes. get the clues yes. and to come up with them. Not so much. Uh, the correct answers are quail, quiche, quahog, and quince. Oh, my. Which is clued as the fruit in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> what is quince? <laughs> applause, oh. applause, applause. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Smarmy look, smarmy look, smarmy look. I want the three three of those in the in, in the quiche would be disgusting. <laughs> so alas for the potpourri. Indeed, indeed. I, I I'm sorry your uh, hot streak is over and that was the nine pointer which is which is too bad but it's okay. We still have two questions left. Still plenty of time to pad the score here. Uh, science is up next. You have a 3 and you have a 5. I'm going to give science 5. 5 points for science. Good luck. Here is your five-point science question. A dedication to the use of random sampling to infer the probability of the whole is the cornerstone of the success of what polling institute run by Dr. Douglas Schwartz? So I sort of blanked out on the first part there. It was very sciencey, But I heard polling. <laughs> so I'm thinking of, and this is still in the world of Q, so I'm thinking of polls with Q, and I think it's Quinnipiac University. Quinnipiac University. I'm even saying that right. <laughs> a lot of syllables. Uh, 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 hang on, judges. Will we accept that? Close, close enough. Close enough. Okay, close, close. Quinnipiac. Yeah. <laughs> <Quinnipiac. laughs> 
there you go. Uh, just, just you know, Rosie Perez it on up, and uh, how how can I possibly uh, not give the answer? Uh, yeah. So one of the things that uh, is often criticized in polls is that either the wording of the questions is not quite uh, up to snuff, or uh, is very leading towards the answers that the pollsters want. Uh, this pollster, Douglas Schwartz, he really, uh, one of the reasons that his poll has really become uh, one of the mainstays in the polling today uh, is because they really dove in on the science of random sampling and how to get the, the right random sample to get an actual representation of the whole. So especially knowing that people don't have home phones anymore, he's actually factored that in. So income levels and everything, they, they do a really good job. So whether or not you agree with the uh, results of polls, polls are polls. They get captured a snapshot in time. However, mathematically speaking, uh, I'm sure they use the Poisson probability uh, to help with their results. You gotta. <laughs> of course. Uh, indeed, Quinnipiac University, a school that no one had heard of before this polling company kind of took hold. It's in Connecticut. <laughs> I had a job in college uh, for like two nights that was doing like political phone surveys, like doing polling for the political science department. And the best was when we got to the time zone of Minnesota and it was the nineties. And I said like, you know, like, what do you think of Bill Clinton or Bob Dole? And I just got a woman who would just go, Oh gosh, I just, I just don't know. Like it was like, <laughs> like right around where Fargo was out. Chortling mm -hmm. with laughter. She was too nice to actually make a commitment to any answer. Oh, Marge, I tell you, Marge, my wife left me, Marge. <laughs> Mike Yamagita. Oh, I, uh, it, it's the most important scene in the movie. It is. It's a good scene. What gives her the idea that it's Lundgaard. But anyway. Yep. Uh, well done. Well done. Five Thank points you. for you for knowing Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a school that's full of pee. Quinnipiac. <laughs> Ah, oh, it all comes back to P, doesn't it? Anyway, <laughs> one last question of regulation, Muffy. It is music. It is worth three points. Are you ready? Uh, as ready as I will ever be. Good luck. Here is your question. What artist was responsible for the following spoken word section of one of their songs? Visualize your dream. Record it in the present tense. Put it into a permanent form. Visualize your dream. Something, something, something permanent form. Um, the only thing I can think of that starts with Q is Questlove. Let's go with that. Questlove, of course. Everybody, yeah. everybody loves Questlove. Uh, the uh, fine drummer uh, slash, I suppose, uh, head talker, <laughs> front man of, of the Roots. But um, no, no, no. I, I know you went there because of Philadelphia. I, I get the connection there. He's a Philly guy. Uh, they're always performing at that uh, concert that they do where they shut down the highway. And unfortunately, not the correct answer. Uh, yeah, this is uh, from a uh, heavy metal hair band type metal band. This was a song that was really they didn't have too many hits in, in mainstream play. But this one was big on MTV. It was a real pretentious piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> it's like a lullaby that they're singing to a, a, a child in the middle of the song. It's just this deep voice. Just visualize your dream and you will master dream control. Dream control. Dream control. Dream control. <laughs> uh, 
And then it goes right back into the uh, very, very uh, kind of crash test dummies, deep voice. Uh, Relax now, don't you cry. Wipe away the tears from your eyes. This is going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> I'm smiling next to you in silent lucidity. Yes, this is a song called Silent Lucidity by Queensryche. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm proud I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'll be watching over you. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's really bad. I hope I don't feel inspired to play over the closing, uh, <laughs> closing commentary, but I probably, I probably, probably will at this point. Yeah, you should, you should, because so, everybody's now curious to see how accurate your interpretation was. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you did not get that one right, and I'm kind of my esteem for you has risen. Uh, <laughs> some of these I really don't want you to get right, but you got two out of four that round. Uh, half the points, twelve out of twenty-four. We're going to add those twelve to the. 37 you had coming into round four, which means we are sitting on 49 points. As we head into the confidence question, Muffy, as you know, this is your last chance to try to prove your final score. Only one question is before you. Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must wait between one and ten points. Get it right, and I will add it to your score. Happily so! But Muffy, Muffy, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious, precious points, precious, precious points, but I am going to sit you in a room feeding you poisonous pork chops and putting on the pee-pee tapes. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist. There's no such tapes. No such tapes. Fake news. Fake news. I don't even, I, I don't even, I'm a germaphobe. It couldn't happen. Small hands. How could I even? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> now, as you know, Muffy, uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, you, as I have asked all of my hot seat contestants this season to do, have graciously provided me three potential options for this category for the confidence question. You have done so. I have chosen. And so I ask you, how confident are you feeling in the Beatles? A good question. What letter am I dealing with? You are dealing with one of the letters of the day. Okay. One of them. Okay. You know what? Let's do... Uh, let's do seven. Just because 49 is seven times seven. So I'm just... That's very true. Seven squared. I'm not confident. <laughs> That's true. And uh, if you get it wrong, you still have the life, the universe, and everything. So exactly. indeed, indeed. All right. For seven points, here is your question. On the Beatles. Robert Durst, a.k.a. the Jinx Guy, was accused of having killed multiple women, including his wife, Kathy, back in 1982. With whom was he having an affair at the time of his wife's disappearance? Man, I saw the Jinx. Um... And yes, I am aware the category is the Beatles. Yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> I don't suppose polythene Pam is a person for real. Um, the jinx. Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain. I'm just, uh, all I can think of is that he got arrested because he stole a chicken salad sandwich from Wegmans. You know, and I mean, you know, I'm sure it was delicious, but you pay for the salad sandwich. You know, you just pay for your chicken salad, uh, especially when you're a bajillionaire. The Beatles, I can't imagine, I can't think if this is going to be a, I'm looking for peas. 
there's Polythene Pam, there's, who's not real, or there's Patty Boyd Harrison Clapton, who was real. A Q, because it could be a Q. Oh my goodness. I think I, ah! Danger! Shaking my fist at you! The Beatles, relating to Robert Durst. It's not Pat Krenwinkle, because she's still in jail for killing the the Latte and La Biancas. Um, just thinking of the Helter Skelter. It's coming down. Really don't know. I'm going to say Patty Boyd Harrison Clapton. Okay. Very good. This, I really like this question. I yeah, like I mean, it a lot. You do look proud of yourself. No, it's. I think it's. I think it's a fun question because uh, it is a Beatles question, even though it doesn't seem like it. And heck, for confidence question, I have no problem being a little more difficult. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, we all we all know. Oh, killed them all. Killed them all. Burp, burp. <laughs> we all know about Robert Durst. Uh, as it turns out, he was very very much in the newspapers all over the place. He was he was a page six regular man about town, and he was having an affair uh, with another woman, and it was no secret. It was in the newspapers. He was, he was going on the town with her uh, in 1982 when his wife disappeared, mm-hmm. uh-huh, uh, never to be seen again, at least not alive anyway. Uh, the woman that he was dating at the time... Uh, she had a famous uh, sister who, dating another fine uh, upright citizen, uh, married him. Uh, her name was Mia Farrow. And this is Prudence. And this is her sister, Prudence Farrow, who, of course, was the inspiration for the Beatles song, Dear Prudence, Won't You Come Out and Play? Because she happened to be staying at the same hotel in India that they were staying at, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't go outside, and they wrote a song about her and the rest is history. So She's like one little tear rolling down my face because that really was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look around, round, 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 and watch your points just go well, away. Yeah, but I'm glad I came out to play. Yes, indeed, indeed, you opened up your door. 42 points. It is not a bad score by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, one might say it's downright peachy. Uh, well done, Muffy. Uh, thank you so much for uh, playing and being a part of the hot seat. Is there anything that you'd like to say to uh, shout out to Pimp or otherwise lament? Uh, <laughs> I greatly enjoyed myself. I would like to mention that I'm going to be appearing as a trivia expert on the new game show network show, Best Ever Trivia Show where three experts face off against three regular-type contestants starting in June. So you can see me on the TV, so you can see my handsome face. You might see me answer a question about Robin Quivers. You might see me miss some questions, too, just as I did today, because life is full of ups and downs. Indeed. Well, that is exciting news. It's uh, I love when uh, people from my hot seat suddenly uh, magically appear on my television screen, uh, just like uh, multiple-time hot seat resident Heather Hurley appearing on... Uh, Mental Samurai. Uh, okay, I was going to say, Ninja, but I was not right. Yeah, the, the, the whip around uh, Whirling Dervish ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So, if you are, if you've got the cable, you've got the chance to see me in a variety of colorful cardigans. I, I think I managed to wear a different pair of eyeglasses in every episode I'm in, so tune in. Nerd <laughs> girls need accessories too. Yeah, come, come for the trivia, stay for the eyewear. Absolutely. Ah, it's, a little, it's a little Easter egg there. <laughs> well, Muffy, thank you so much for being uh, a guest. You have been a pleasure. Now go away. <laughs> Pretty sure I will. Bye. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Muffy. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. 
Are you sure you're ready? Sure you are. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Did you beat our guest, or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. <laughs>